stargazers. Welcome to 7th House Astrology. I am your host, Sandra Misek. Oh, man, oh, man, guys, this last week, I just, I, I just have to say thank you to Saturn transiting outside my sixth house. That's the house of health as well as of personal working relationships. And, oh, man, have I been feeling Saturn's influence this week? It's definitely been very challenging when working with illness, but I am glad to be back with you guys. I'm glad to be back with you, stargazers. It's wonderful to be recording again today. Even though I'm a couple days late, I'm very sorry about that. To those of you who are still listening to me, very huge, hearty welcome. I am glad that you are here, and I'm glad that you find that the information I'm imparting to you is still very relevant to you to this day. Um, I'm very happy that Seventh House Astrology speaks to you, and I'm very happy to supply more material and more episodes for you guys. For those of you who are new and just joining me, welcome still. Uh, what we do with Seventh House Astrology is that I basically take an aspect from Sinistry Astrology, which is basically known as Relationship Astrology. Composite charts also kind of becomes a little synonymous within uh, Sinistry Astrology. But I basically take an aspect from either one of the houses, today it'll be one of the planets, and I take its meaning, investigate it a little further. And then with the astrological information that I have, I come back around and answer the question to the best of my knowledge as to what makes relationships tick. And my whole goal with the whole podcast is to keep diving further and further and further in when it comes to synastry astrology and finding out more answers as to what makes relationships tick and what else I have learned when it comes to a particular aspect of relationships. And I highly recommend definitely take a look at my playlist, definitely take a look at the different episodes, because um, there are other aspects as well, too, such as um, I think a couple weeks ago, I went into what makes an affair in astrology. And I'm sure that that would be very interesting to you. And I think a couple months ago is what makes crushes or how crushes show up in a a synastry relationship or in a synastry chart. So definitely um, check those guys out and um, definitely uh, leave me feedback um, if you would like. And for those of you who are also, if you have questions or comments, um, you can definitely leave feedback with me at my website at either, um, at section at my website's my email address at either at, uh, M-I-S-E-K dot Sandra at gmail.com or at my Instagram page. I actually found out I've been mispronouncing and misgiving you my Instagram page. It's actually at Sandra.Mizek on Instagram. You can also search my name on Instagram, and I'm co- I come up pretty regularly as well, too. Well, as I mentioned earlier, you know, these last couple of weeks we've been doing the houses, Since we're kind of coming close towards the end with the houses, we just have a couple more houses to explore. I thought that this would be a good time to also investigate some of the planets as well, or to start investigating the planets. So what I'm thinking is maybe every other week we'll investigate the planets along with the houses 
and just see what they bring when it comes to synastry astrology. When it comes right down to it, uh, this week it's actually two planets that we're covering this week. They're the luminaries of the chart, and that is the sun and the moon. And, of course, like I said, why it's important within a synastry um, chart. But before I get into the sun and the moon and what they both mean, I just wanted to kind of preface it with a question that you can either meditate on, that you can kind of, um, you know, reflect upon, kind of see how how it, you know, kind of before entertainment value, see how it, it compares for you. There is no right or wrong answer. But when you look at the sun and the moon, when you look at both planets, even though they're considered the luminaries and they're both, they both illuminate and bring certain aspects to the chart, do you focus on one planet or the other? You know, do you focus on a particular planet or, or are your thoughts kind of neutral when it comes to the subject? I kind of like to ask this question because there are some people where it's like, yeah, the sun, you know, because my sun sign. And that's absolutely a-okay. And I think there are others, other astrologers that say, yeah, the sun, because that's like, you know, in synastry, as we'll get into it, that's like the main drive of the relationship. Or that's where, you know, the relationship and the motives of the relationship are highlighted. You know, that the sun's light really, really lights up that side of the chart. Personally, for me, what was kind of interesting when preparing this episode was that my thoughts actually gravitate towards the moon, which I thought was interesting. It's possibly because when I do encounter astrology in general, I think it's because I like to go deeper and the moon and when the moon hits your chart and what it illuminates is exactly that. It's, it, you know, it's illuminating your emotional nature, your inner nature. I actually also remembered that when I started to study charts and I started to learn charts, because my astrology teacher did not go into much depth when it came to the sun and the moon when it came to her class, she didn't really go much into depth with a lot of the planets. But um, when I investigated a little bit further, I came up to a Vedic astrology site. And according to Vedic astrology, and I mean, this really, really um, made a lot of sense for me. When it comes to Vedic astrology, the moon is actually our true, genuine nature in astrology. You know, whereas we think that our sun sign is supposed to be our true and genuine nature in astrology, you know, we get that a lot within pop astrology. You know, what's your sun sign? That's who you represent. That's your ego. That's who you are. Actually, that's wrong. It's, again, your moon sign. That's actually who you are. And if you think about it, I mean, for me, it made sense because you know, if you think about it, with the evolution of human growth to your personal planets, when you're born, you don't really have many people. You don't have your persona yet. You don't have your communication skills yet. All that you have really is that inner essence that represents, that's represented by the moon. 
you have your inner emotional nature, you have your instinctive nature, you have your intuitive nature, and your whole inner realm, and how that's going to be nurtured, how that's going to be fostered. And, you know, your needs when you're very little is to make sure that inner realm is fostered, nurtured, and taken care of. And, you know, it's only when you start to talk, that's where your Mercury's position starts to develop. When you communicate with others, that's where your Venus position starts to develop. Um, when you start to see that people are not so friendly as you thought, and, you know, and this is a very, at, at very young ages, that's where your Mars position starts to develop. And then coincidentally, too, when you start to recognize that not everybody is so nice, um, that's also where your persona begins to develop as well, too. Really, when it comes down to the sun sign, um, according to Vedic astrology, your sun sign is what you grow into. That's what you aspire to become in your chart which I thought was very interesting. And I found that to be very interesting because, you know, especially within that astrology class and also especially throughout life, how many times have I gotten, oh, you're a Leo? Oh, well, you don't act like a Leo, which really kind of shows me like who uses astrology as a weapon and also who really is not an astrologer, to be quite frank with you. Because if you're really genuinely into astrology, you should know that not everyone is typically their sun sign. So, um, and there are people who are out there, stargazers, so who are like that. So beware, um, be aware. I mean, it, it has happened to me because I'm in such a, my sun sign happens to be in such a big personality sort of sign, but you get a lot of people, toxic people out there who think, oh, you, you're just your sun sign. And then they make, smart remarks like that or backhanded remarks like that. And they're not true. So, um, which is unfortunate, but it's, it's just, it kind of what is. But with that said, with the moon, I mean, if the moon sign is our true genuine nature, okay, then I feel sinistry wise, what that means is the moon also, when it kind of hits your chart, your your um, composite chart. What that means is, is it's what you bring to the table, to the relationship, and also it, you. It's what you bring to the relationship that can make the relationship go a little more deeper and a little more intimate as well. It's really kind of like your intimate side, or it's really more like I said, your genuine intimate side that you bring to the table too. And I feel like it's also the sort of planet that really tests the relationship because like say that I do display that, yes, I am far more fair. I like flow within life. I don't like chaos. I don't like drama. And I'm meeting a partner. Again, it would be very important that that partner also matches that as well that they don't want drama, that they don't worse instigate drama, and that they kind of go with the flow and do what they can to go with the flow as well, too. For those of you who have listened to previous recordings, you all know that I'm into John Townley, and I quote him often, and I cite him often. 
I actually, uh, to those who are new, definitely, if you have not uh, read it before, Composite Charts, The Astrology of Relationships, um, which is John Townley's book that I refer to, is the most awesome find that you can ever, ever have when it comes to sinistry astrology. I really love John Townley. He gives a lot of great, um, wonderful insight. And his book is very user-friendly as well, too. Um, he does divide a lot of things into the, the planets, but uh, he does have introductions and he does have a lot of great, nice, nice tidbits of information when it comes to sinistry astrology. But according to T John Townley, when it comes to the moon and when it comes to when the moon lights up and ignites your composite chart, he mentions that its influence can be reflective like a mirror. It can show how the relationship reacts to situations, how you feel about that situation, the process, and how the emotions are stirred within that situation. And I thought this was interesting because he goes on to say, you know, when it comes to say that your partner makes a comment and say that comment's like slightly backhanded. Um, do you just, you know, his reaction is, do you laugh it off? Do you take offense to it? Do you go up in arms about it? Do you equally give a equally awful another backhanded remark? because you felt like the other person gave you a backhanded remark. How do you, it's like, how do you react within that situation? Because most times that's the indication of your moon sign and how both of your moon signs are reacting within the situation. Um, furthermore, he mentions that within a relationship, moon positions, the moon signs represent the subconscious feelings and impressions that you give to each other in the relationship. So, I mean, the moon being more of our intuitive side, when our partner's moons especially hit our composite charts, it's very, it is very subconscious. We have this sort of situation where this person is influencing us in a certain way, but we have no idea how they're influencing us. Um, it's kind of what makes the magic of the relationship, so to speak especially if you two are getting along, what makes like the, the wonderful magic of this relationship happen. It can also be what can make the demise happen. You know, it's like you, you know that you don't get along with this person, but you just can't put your finger on it as well too. And the reason why you can't put your finger on it is because again, that moon's position, if it should not be in great alignment is a subconscious factor. You know, our moon uh, signs, as much as they are genuine, true natures, and as much as we can express them, um, again, it's very subconscious from us. So it would make sense that it would be very subconscious. We would, you know, give like more of a subconscious impression with our moon signs to the other partner, as opposed to a full conscious impression when it comes down to that. And again, he mentions, um, you know, it could be the magic of the relationship, can be healing to both partners or leading to blame. Now, I like John Townley in this regard because he also gives like little slices of nuggets that I think can apply to not only astrology, but also just to relationships in general. And he mentions, be careful not to depend on each other for the healing structure of the relationship. 
So in many instances, you know, how many times have I been in a relationship where the other partner turns to me and states, oh my God, I'm becoming this wonderful new person and it's all because of you. And by the way, if ever you've been in that situation, talk about pressure. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, that's, that's like a great vast amount of pressure on somebody. Yes. The same thing is true when things don't work out. Try not to blame the other person like, geez, things are not working out because of you. Again, that's a very heavy-handed uh, accusation and a very heavy-handed claim. And by the way, it's not true. And why? It's because, you know, it's not really the other person who's causing you to change. While their moon's position may be lighting or igniting a certain aspect of your chart that may not have been ignited or may have, lying, may have been lying dormant for a while, um, that person really is more like an inspiration. You're actually doing the work. You know, the reason why you have changed is because you have made that change inside yourself. Your partner is just helping you kind of instigate that change if you want to, if you may. And particularly that planet's influence is helping you to instigate that particular change. It's the same thing if relationships don't work out. Like, you know, gee, it's not working out because of you. No, I think it's, it's not working out because of the structure of the relationship. You know, the structure of your moon signs may be way off whack. You know, you may be an individual who has a moon in Taurus and you're dating somebody who has their moon in Aries. Again, um, with the moon in Aries, that person has a very different motive, a, a very different emotional nature where their emotional nature and their inner nature is more like, let me get things done. Let me climb up the, let me climb up the social ladder. Let me make sure I'm doing my best to gain my best, to get my best within life. Uh, Taurus has a completely different approach where it's, yes, I'd like my best in life, but I like to go about it a little more slowly. I'd like to go about it more deliberately. I'd like to go, I'd like to think things through and not have to do them like right now. So, like I said, both, both signs can be very similar, but yet, like I said, completely different approaches. Whereas Aries is more like right now, Taurus is more like, let's be more deliberate. Let's be a little slower in getting the best opportunities for us as much as possible. And it could just be those different approaches that are making the conflict. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, the person who's the, who has the moon in Aries is bad. No, they just have a different approach. And I mean, if you do want to make the relationship work out, even though you have conflicting moons, you guys could maybe discuss what, where you could meet in the middle. You know, maybe the person who has the Aries moon, um, the Taurus moon could um, inspire the Aries moon to slow down a little bit and not be so, you know, go for it right now. Go when the iron is striking hot all the time. And, you know, also the Aries moon individual could also help to inspire the Taurus individual to not be so slow and deliberate about everything. And again, a lot of that's communication. A lot of that is a willingness to learn from each other as partners. And I mean, it's also that choice that you make as well, too. But 
if for whatever reason you've talked it out, you've tried to learn from each other and eh, it's just not working, it's not each other. It's not you guys. You're not to blame. It's just that's the structure of, you know, Aries moon and Taurus moon. You know, it's the structure of your guys' charts. And you know what? That's just, it's just what it is. And sometimes in life, when it comes to relationships, I, I think it's just a nice little saying of sometimes it's just what is. It's no, no one's to blame. Um, unless somebody's trying to inflict harm on somebody else, no one's to blame. It's just um, the outside, outside leading circumstances at this time. Well, since I've covered the moon, and where my thought, my thoughts have kind of gone from the week. So if the moon is our true inward nature, our sun, well, again, that sun being our, what we grow into, I feel like in sinistry astrology, it's our potential. And when the sun illuminates our different areas of our charts, I kind of feel like as a partner, it's our goals, who we want to become who we want to be as that partner. I know personally, even though I can be very Libran um, a lot of the time and very, you know, peace, peace mongering and making sure that everything goes the flow a lot of the time, you know, my Leonine side, I would love to be a very, I mean, I have a big heart as a Leo. I'd love for that big heart to show. I'd love to be able to, take charge and rule fairly in the relationship and make sure that maybe I'm taking care of my partner just as much as he is taking care of me in the relationship. So I think my goal as a partner is really, you know, just to be there, but also be maybe a, a good guiding light or a good guiding person in the relationship and not be, you know, again, kind of make sure that guiding light is a good balance. You know, I'm not being dictatorial in my leadership abilities, nor am I being too lax in my leadership abilities, but that I'm, I'm just right. And that I, you know, I help my partner out in maybe finding his way in a relationship, maybe finding my own way as well too, but also, you know, encompassing um, input and just really, providing my best, you know, like I said, just being that guiding light in the relationship. So I'd say, yeah, it's our potential and kind of like our goals in the relationship too. Supposedly our sun signs are supposed to be our egos. And I know that's within every traditional astrology textbook. I know it drives me nuts um, that it's our egos, but, you know, traditional symbology wise, it is our egos in the, in that way. Um, I think of it differently, too, in the regard of Stephen Forrest. Um, Stephen Forrest also mentions in his Book of Fire that our sun signs are really kind of like our anchor points, too. It's uh, our own personal anchor to our own personal ship. It's where we feel the most grounded when we embody the archetypes of our sun signs as well, too. And he also mentions that if you're, well, he probably would mention this to me since I don't feel like I'm a Leo, you know, your typical Leo, he would probably um, encourage that I embody the archetypes of Leo. So getting in touch with my creativity, um, making sure that I have spontaneous self-expression, 
um, and just everything that kind of embodies the drama and the performance and the creative act of, of Leo. I also just say, take a look, you know, if you're kind of like me and you just feel like you're just not your sun sign and you do want to try Stephen Forrest, take a look too at the house that, um, your sun sign also rules. Um, for me, for instance, with Leo, it's the fifth house. So fifth house embodies creativity, passion, um, you know, eccentric for the dramatic, the, the dramatic flair, you know, for Scorpio would be taking a look at the eighth house and its attributes, as well as the archetypes of your sun sign as well, too. And just learning to embody that in your life. Um, but that to me, I think it makes far more sense that your sun signs like your anchor as opposed to your ego. Um, to me, ego represents something else entirely different. You know, I, I, I tend to think of Freud when I hear of the ego, you know, the ego being your baser childlike natures. And I, I think the sun is far more dignified um, than that. You know, it's not your baser nature, I don't think. Um, I also just like to point out before I go more into the sinistry aspects of the sun sign, so another factor as to why you're, you might not be embodying your sun sign exactly, um, or your sun sign may be embodied in a different way. Your sun sign is usually dependent on where it falls in regards to your ascendant. So if you have your sun sign above your ascendant, obviously you're going to be I think many astrologers have embodied the signs with the more extroverted types in mind. That's just how the history of mankind has gone. So if you have your sun above your ascendant, obviously you're going to be far more extroverted and far, you know, when you grow from your moon sign into your sun sign, your traits are going to be far more outward and you might embody more of the textbook characteristics of your sign than if you are like me where your sun sign is below the ascendant. I know my sun signs below the ascendant right in my first house. So with that said, um, when I have grown into my sun sign, I'm more introverted and it actually, my, the um, aspects actually develop a little more introspectively and more inwardly as well. So I might like attention from people. I might crave attention from people but I'm not going to jump up and down and hop up and say, Hey, look at me, you know, and that's, that's true for many sun signs who fall below the ascendant line as well too. And sometimes um, with that said, that can also de be dependent upon, you know, again, with the goals and with your potential in your sun sign that can show up a little bit differently for everybody. So whereas my goal is to be a beacon of light, I would rather have that extenuate from inside of me, or I'd rather be that, you know, that leader that's kind of like a guiding light. I'd rather that extend from inside of me 
Um, I don't think that I would be outward as if my sun sign were above my ascendant. You know, obviously if somebody else is a Leo and they want to just rule the relationship, that's where they would externally rule the relationship. You know, they'd be like, hey, I want you to do this. Hey, do that. Hey, do all these other things, you know. Um, I think that's true for every every sun sign as well, too. And uh, Rachel Stewart Haas also mentions that the sun is our level of awareness and where it goes in your chart. And I feel like your sinistry chart is no different. You know, it lights up a particular house or planet that can inspire the relationship or can ruin the relationship as well, too. It could change you and your partner for better or for worse. So I, again, with the sun sign too, um, with that level of awareness, your partner, you know, your sun being another luminary is going to shine in different places in your chart. And again, your partner having a different sun sign is going to uh, definitely inspire you in different ways. Now, unlike the moon where it's more subconscious, you know, where the moon's more subconscious, the sun's influence in your uh, uh, sinistry chart is more overt and it's more um, very open. It's pretty obvious that it, you know, instead of that, gee, there's this one thing that I'm attracted to my partner about and I just can't put my finger on it. No, at the sun sign, it's, no, I'm genuinely attracted to my partner and I know it's because he's very communicative. He doesn't hide anything. He's very honest and I love that about him. Also, he hangs out with his friends. He introduces me to his friends. I love that about him. So um, definitely with your sun sign, it's very concrete when it comes to where it lights up in your sinistry chart. According to John Townley, um, very much like with Stephen Forrest, the sun is the heart of the relationship. It's the primary drive and your focus. When all is well, it can act as a center for the relationship, a rock for adversive times, and the drive of the relationship. And of course, the opposite, if the sun signs are not well positioned, is what he had mentioned. So if we have an example that, say, someone's sun sign, I've been picking on Leo today, so I'm going to try something different. Someone's sun sign is in Gemini, and the other person's sun sign is in Sagittarius. That could be a very good relationship in the regard that um, even though they're opposite each other, you know, they have that common thread of they both like to gather and glean information. And whereas Sagittarius may kind of deepen the knowledge base of Gemini, so what I mean by that is they may cause Gemini to slow down and instead of having Gemini gather a ton of information continuously, um, you know, Gemini is very prone to that. Sagittarius may cause the Geminian to slow down a little bit and maybe take a particular interest and go a little more in depth with it. In turn, um, Gemini could also lighten Sagittarius up a little bit. Sagittarians can get a little, you know, even though they can be very jovial, they can get a little too serious when it comes to their subject of study. So uh, Geminians can lighten Sagittarius up a little bit and open them up to things, more things that they can explore. In this situation, 
I feel like this would be a good rock in adversive times because each person is kind of informing each other. They're kind of supporting and encouraging each other. Also, if say the Sagittarian is lighting up the Geminian's ninth house and the Geminian's lighting up the Sagittarian's um, third house, since they're in opposition to each other, you know, obviously the Geminian would encourage more communication would happen, would encourage more matters of communication and having that happen in the relationship. Whereas the Sagittarian is used to just kind of traveling and roaming for their information, you know, kind of going elsewhere for their information. Um, in turn, the Sagittarian could um, really encourage the Geminian to not just talk and not just, you know, rely on matters of communication, but maybe, you know, maybe they can communicate while they're out on the road, or maybe they can both travel together and inspire new outlooks, new insights for each other as well. And again, that could be very, very much a rock in the regard that each sign is offering something to each other. And also their sun signs are lighting up different aspects of their charts that can be very encouraging to each other. And I think also, again, with John Townley, he mentions, look, if things do not work out very well, like, say, your sun and your moon aspects or your sun aspects don't really align very well, you can always, again, you know, instead of blaming the other person, again, it's the situation of the chart. The same thing when things are working well, it's the situation of the chart. And always keep in mind that somebody can inspire you to do something. They don't make you do something at the end of the day. So that's always, that's always important. So stargazers, I really hope despite my cold brain that this episode on the sun, the moon was very helpful and a good, like helpful starting point. What I always say when it comes to sensory astrology is don't just look at the sun signs, don't just look at the moon signs, you know, kind of mix and match a little bit uh, when it comes to both you and your partner. I also say, you know, I, I tend to, when I look at a chart, my first um, eye, line of eyesight goes to either from the moon to the sun or the sun, the moon, when it comes to both partners. So if like, say, we have two partners. How do their sun, their moon sign get along? Because sometimes that also indicates like how those two are going to hear each other out emotionally. You know, maybe something that is embodied in the overt personality of one person could really help a lot of emotive situations and also can help the inner world of the, of the other individual. So good aspects to take a look at are not only the sun, the sun and moon signs, their combinations, and if they get along, but also if there's a sun and moon conjunction, um, usually that means the sun and the moon are in the same sign um, of each other, and um, usually it's a it's a deeper pairing. Um, one partner is willing to understand the other partner on an emotional basis. 
Um, and also vice versa, the person who has that inner world or they have their moon in that position kind of helps to bring more insight and clarity to the sun person's life as well, too. So some things, like I said, those are some things just to keep in mind. And also, too, if the sun and the moon are like near the ascendant or near any important angles or important parts of the chart, those are always really nice to know when it comes to um, the planets and how well they get along. So like if it's, if both the sun and the moon are hitting outside the ascendant, well, you're going to know that that's going to be very outwardly focused as opposed to if it hits the descendant, it's going to be more attraction focused and um, focus a little bit more on love and marriage, but also there might be like a heavy hitting chemistry sort of situation, or there might be a lot of chemistry between both partners when it comes to that. So coming down to this um, episode, what have we learned? What can we embody? And, you know, what, what sort of things about relationships can we learn from the sun, the moon when it comes to astrology? And I think for me, it's just reiterating, being mindful of how we inspire each other in a relationship is important to a lasting relationship. You know, we each have an effect and we each have a role and definitely the luminaries, the sun, the moon emphasize that, that we, you know, our effect and our role in the relationship um, is definitely different, but it's def it definitely plays a part. You know, if one person has their sun that hits outside the eighth house, which is that of change, it can be that of sex it can be that of chemistry, and that's where that passion from Leo is starting to deepen. Um, that will definitely affect the partner in a different way. You know, might that partner may be kind of like, oh, this is something that's very new. Or the partner may be drawn to you um, due to those qualities as well, too. But um, like I said, every partner, depending on what they, where their luminaries hit in the chart can bring out different roles in each other in the relationship and also how well those roles are going to be met depending on the partner's reaction to that. And also, you know, how, the, how well those roles are, respond when it comes to each individual partner as well. I think um, we can also learn from our luminaries, not being afraid of deep bonds in a relationship. And I think I was particularly looking at the sun and the moon combinations in the charts, like if they get along or if they're in conjunction with each other, you know, obviously that that's going to produce a deeper bond. Um, if you have a sun and a moon that gets along or sun sign and moon sign that gets along when it comes to two partners um, then if you don't, but, um, you know, not being afraid of those deep bonds and really embracing those deep bonds, I think really make a relationship last very much. And then I, I reiterate John Townley again, it's the relationship is what makes improvement or destruction. The fault lies with neither of you, but the structure of the situation itself. Um, I, I think the luminaries really, um, heighten that when it comes down to why doesn't this relationship work well? Again, it's not because the other person, unless the other person was being destructive and abusive, then okay. But 
you know, if it's just you two are being you, you two, the two of you are just trying to make it work out. Um, sometimes it's just what is you both have different, you know, viewpoints. You both have different ways to go about it. You both have different outlooks in life. And sometimes that's just, it's just what is, uh, when it comes to the situation itself. And again, too, if the relationship should work out again, that's also due to the situation itself. You know, there are things that of your partner that you are responding to very well and vice versa. You guys are responding to each other very well. And that's again, you know, like I said, the person's not making you do anything. They're not inspiring you to be a different person. You're inspiring yourself to be a different person, but your partner is definitely being very helpful when it comes down to that. Well, Stargazers, as I've said, I really hope that this was a very informative show for you on the sun and the moon. Please definitely let me know if it was at either mysic.sandra at gmail.com or on Instagram at sandra.mysic. You can also definitely, um, like I said, take a look at my name or look at my name on Instagram. And above all, do not be afraid to look up at the stars. I believe Mercury and Venus are actually near the Earth right now. I've been seeing some great celestial bodies in the the, uh, the sky. Um, I've been working outside a lot lately, and man, it's it's like really, really beautiful up there too. The moon is coming close to becoming new again. So she's kind of, um, she's kind of waning a little bit, but her light is still very brilliant out there. But whether or not you can identify celestial bodies, it doesn't matter. Sometimes just looking up at the stars can really reveal our origins, our history when it comes to astrology. And it's just a great, nice pause for the cause. But above all, stargazers, be unlike me. Um, do not get sick <laughs> and be well. Hopefully I will see you again within this week with another wonderful brand new episode. A great new episode that's really informative in the regards of Sinistry Astrology. And again, stargazers, take good care of each other. And until then, I will see you. I will see you next time.